0: Hello listeners and welcome to the first episode, yes that's right, the first episode of the Do You Follow Football podcast with me, Stefanos. This is a weekly podcast where we talk about the upcoming fixtures, the recent results and the odd stories and facts within the footballing world. Hello, hello. So today guys, we're we're going to be talking about uh, the Premier League clubs, the clubs in the Premier League, um, how they've strengthened so far, how they're looking for next season and also how they might have actually gotten weaker. Um. Usually, I do my league predictions with the boys from work or friends and whatnot. But I thought, you know what, I might as well start off the podcast series with the predictions. Seeing as the season starts on the weekend of the t- the twelfth, um, so then we can all come back in May and we can have a laugh at my awful ball knowledge. So I don't really think there's anywhere else other to start other than Man City. So we are going to start with City, the treble winners. Um, I myself, I I was actually rooting for City to win the treble um, this year purely because I've never seen it. I was born in ninety nine, so I was probably what was it May? I was literally a month or so old when United won the treble, that famous treble. Um, so I obviously don't remember any of it. So it's just it's, not, it's always nice to witness history, even though I'm not a City fan. Um, but yeah, they've got Erling Haaland up top. They've got one of the best midfielders in the world, if not the best uh, in KDB. Uh, they've also got one of the best um, back lines with Edison, Diaz. They've just got an amazing team. So there's no so no one's surprised that they're going to finish first this season, in my opinion. And I think probably 90% of people would agree with me. Um, I don't think they're going to have it all their own way, though. Arsenal did push them very close last year. Very close. And for a very long time, I think nearly everyone thought that Arsenal were going to win it. But I don't think, like I said, I don't think they're gonna have it all their own way. I think losing Gundawan is big for them. He's a real character, I'd imagine, in that dressing room. It comes up with clutch goals. He doesn't always score the most goals, even though he has scored a lot more uh, more recently. But the goals he does score, they're so important. You think of winning the league. Uh, you think I think it was was it 13 seconds of the cup final against United? He just he just pops up with some really important goals for them. Um and then Bernardo Silva as well. Again, I really love Bernardo Silva. I think he's world-class. I generally think he's one of the most underrated players about right now. Um, technically so gifted. Great passer. Good on set pieces. And when he dribbles, he's, he's phenomenal. Um, he's not left yet, but there are heavy links with him going. Some I've seen some to Barcelona, I believe. Um, so I'm not sure what's happening with that. Also, they've lost Riyad Mahrez. Again, a brilliant player. Might not be the first name on the team sheet, these players that I've mentioned, because, you know, when you think City, you think of Haaland, Diaz, Edison, KDB, but Gundogan and, is it Gundogan or Gundogan? I think it's Gundogan, Uh, but Gundogan, Silva and marez they're they're so important to that team. They, they just, they give them great balance. Marez always, he's great when he's cutting in uh, from the, from the right-hand side, but he can go along the outside. Bernardo Silva, well, I think, in the i can't i'm not quite sure how long he's been at city um but in 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 his tenure at city so to speak we've seen him win back we've seen him at centre mid we've seen him on the left on the right even as a false nine so he's a very versatile player as well obviously city have brought in players Cancelo's coming back from his loan um at bayern so it'd be interesting to see what happens with that because allegedly he had a he had a bust up with pep last season is he going to stay I'm, I'm not too sure i think he will go but I I don't know to who I'd certainly have him from my team. Um and obviously they've brought in Kovacic from Chelsea who I don't necessarily think is as good as Gundogan or Bernardo Silva but he's still a very good player to have. Um and obviously they're going to be bringing in more players before the window uh before the window shuts and even without any signings their squad on paper now is world class in, in pretty much all positions, you know. I mean you could say that they're a little bit weak at full-back with Walker getting older. Um, obviously, he's still got that great recovery plays, but I don't know if his um, his awareness is up there, in my opinion. And obviously, at left-back, they've had Ake play there, they've had a Kanji play there. I think even maybe John Stones has played there a couple of times. Um, but again, I'm sure they'll bring in players, but see, they just look so strong. And it's hard to look past them. It was the same last season, even when Arsenal were... I think they were eight points or nine points clear at one point, or it might have been six points with a game in hand. Even when they're, they're down and out city, they just look, they're just so strong. They've got, you know, like I said, players like Haaland, KDB, and obviously Pep is an absolute mastermind. Whatever people say about him, always going into the bigger clubs. If you're one of the best managers, you go to the best clubs. It is simple as... Um, So, yeah, it is hard to look past them. So, I'm I'm going to put City top. So, I'm moving on to a team that actually finished outside uh, of the Champions League places last season is Liverpool. Now, I think Liverpool are going to come second. I think they dropped off massively last season. I think Trent got exposed. Um, I think Trent is a great right back, or generally one of the best. But I think he's a little bit, I don't want to say overrated, but... I think people really do look past his defensive weaknesses due to his attacking strengths. Um, and, you know, when you're winning the Champions League or the Premier League or, you know, the domestic cup double like Liverpool have done in recent seasons, it can not go under the radar, but it can kind of be ignored. But when you look at Liverpool last season, it's it's so clear to see that that is the weak point. Um, Van Dijk dropped off as well. I think Alisson had a great season. Fabinho wasn't great either. Um, but I think their signings, it was clear what they needed. They needed reinforcements in the midfield. Milner, obviously, getting on and eventually leaving. Um, Henderson getting on also, and he's obviously now gone to uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, they were definitely lacking Bagel FC, so to speak. Uh, but they've brought in Dominic... No, oh, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Soverslay, I believe, is how you pronounce it. they brought him in. Very good player. Um... I'm not going to say I've seen a whole bunch of him but I've, I've seen enough of him to know that I believe he's a good player. Whether he's good enough for the Premier League only time will tell because a lot of players come from the Bundesliga and they don't really hit the ground running. You look up Jadon Sancho, you look at Timo Werner. It can be a risk. Um, they've also signed Alexis McAllister, someone who is, is Premier League proven and has also won a World Cup. Um, again, they've got great great business there. Uh, they got him for allegedly well under £60 million. Now I personally don't know what well under sixty million means. Could be fifty, could be forty-five, or whatever. Um, But again, it's it's a great price. And I don't know if this is confirmed, um, but when I was doing the notes for the podcast, I saw that Fabinho is linked with a move. Um, I don't know if he's gone, gone, or if it's just in the work sort of thing. But I think for me, genuinely, I mean, whether Fabinho is there or not, I think Liverpool are genuinely a DM away from really really pushing City they're linked with Lavia I think if they do get Lavia they could really challenge because they've got Darwin Nunes who as much as people like to almost take the mic he had a good season last year it's very hard to come into the Premier League and just adapt you look at players like Omri his first season it wasn't great and then I know a different player a different profile player so to speak but you look at Eden Hazard when he first came to the Premier League he got knocked about a little bit he wasn't great You know, not every player does hit the ground running, and I think the first season is always the toughest. Coming from again, no disrespect to other leagues, but from the Portuguese league, from Benfica, it's it's going to be tough. You know, it's it's a different level. Um, But then they've got Salah with the goals as well, Luis Diaz, who I think is a brilliant player, Diego Jota, who can play anywhere along the front three. Their their attack is is brilliant. Um, Probably the. It's it's probably the the best in in the Premier League the front three in my opinion they've lost Bobby Firmino yes they've lost Cater, uh, they've lost Milner Oxay Chamberlain Henderson but all the players that they've lost and you can add Firmino to that list as well potentially other than really Bobby Firmino all of those players are you you can't really see them being up there winning the Premier League again they're not really gonna take Liverpool back to when they were really up there with City and winning trophies. But players like McAllister, and if they get Levy, I believe that that could really push them up. Um, and again, they've got a great manager, Klopp. Yes, his plan didn't necessarily work last year. I don't know if it was that they got found out or if they were just simply tired. Because you've got to think, this, this Liverpool team have played a hell of a lot of football. They got pushed all the way... Well, they pushed... Sorry, sorry to speak. They pushed City all the way uh, the season before last uh, to final out of the Premier League. They got to the Champions League final with Real Madrid. They got to both cup finals with Chelsea. And they, but I'm pretty sure they both went to extra time and penalties as well. So they played so much football. Um, but yet yeah, the recruitment wasn't really there. I know they've been linked with England for about a year. But obviously he's gone to Real Madrid. So sometimes they get it wrong, Liverpool. Well, I wouldn't say get it wrong, but that they they like to buy their players at the right time. Instead of say buying a player for eighty million, they'd rather wait a year, almost suffer for a year, and pay forty or fifty million for him. Um, but yeah, I think with 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 the new signings, I think they've gotten rid of no disrespect to players like Milner and Henderson, but it's deadwood. You know, I believe they've gotten rid of the deadwood, and they've upgraded, especially if they get Labia. That's gonna be a brilliant signing. Um, so yeah, I think Liverpool finish second. Um, I I think it will be close, to be honest And obviously things are going to change There are still going to be transfers to be made Players going in, players coming out of all the teams That we're going to talk about today But, um, But yeah, I think Liverpool are going to look real strong this year Okay, moving on to another team who, well I wouldn't say they quite underachieved like Liverpool last season And they definitely finished a lot further away From the Champions League spots than Liverpool did they, well, probably flops of the season really We're going to talk about Chelsea now Now I think Chelsea are going to come third And it's at this point that we're going to lose all the listeners in the podcast Because I'm going to tell you that I'm a Chelsea fan Now, oof, I, I genuinely actually don't know where to start with Chelsea Like honestly, I, I, I really don't Last season, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, I was born in 99 So I was four years old when Abramovich took over so I don't really, I don't know the hardships of us being relegated or the whole safety bridge movement because I was just too young. Uh, for as long as I've been alive, Chelsea have been lifting trophy after trophy. If I'm not mistaken, it's something like, I think before this season or or was it last season, it's something like twenty. we've, we've won 21 trophies in 23 years. Something crazy like that. Don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, last season was really bad. The constant change of management... The players, it, it was awful. I could generally talk about an hour just on, on the Chelsea part here. Uh, but I'm going to try not to ramble too much. Obviously, we all know we've had a lot of players going out. Kante, Kulibali, Kovacic, Mendy, Kai Havertz, Loftus-Cheek, Aspen Equator, Mason Mount, uh, Baba Raman as well, Aubameyang, uh Pulisic also. And obviously, the change of management, Poch is coming in. My, my first worry with Poch when it was announced and when it was linked was, is he a winner? Can he actually win things? We all know what happened at Spurs. He was brilliant. They played great football. They were up there challenging for the league. They got to the Champions League final. But ultimately, football is You know, trophies are currency. And again, being a Chelsea fan, not in an arrogant way. For me, I'm all about the trophies. Uh, people say, you know... Some people love watching brilliant football, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But for me, you know, I've seen Chelsea play boring football under Jose Mourinho and win the league... I've also watched us play brilliant football under Carlo Ancelotti and win the league. And I can tell you that it doesn't make a difference come May. When you lift that trophy, it doesn't feel any different. You know, I I, I personally want results. Um, whether Poch can deliver that, I, I'm not sure. He didn't deliver it at Spurs, and no disrespect to, to Spurs, but no one delivered at Spurs. It's very hard to win things at Spurs. Um the thing that I do think we have going for us is we've got a lot of young players like Mudrik and Madueke, And I hope I pronounced that right. I always butcher his name. Obviously, Jackson and Nkuku coming in as well. Um, brilliant players. Again, Nkuku, I'm a bit worried because he's from the Bundesliga. And last time we got a player from the Bundesliga, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, it didn't really work out for us. But um, only time will tell with that one. But no, I think he can definitely bring the, the younger players to a whole new level. I do think the squad's not perfect. I still think we need a DM. Um, I know we're heavily linked with Carseido, but allegedly the deal is not off the table, but near impossible if we don't include Levi Carwell and Chelsea and Poch have said he's not for sale. So I'm not sure what's happening with that. I personally would have rather have signed Lavia because I think we could have gone for cheaper. And again, no disrespect to Southampton. They're going to be relegated. Well, they are relegated. They're going to be playing in the championship next year. And he doesn't want to play in the championship. Of course, if you're offered, you know the Championship's not a bad league. No, no disrespect. It's a brilliant league. But if you've got the choice to play in the championship or the Premier League, obviously you're going to pick the Premier League. You know, um, and Southampton that parachute money doesn't last forever, as we all know. So, and I think they they, they knew it's, they knew it was going to be hard to keep hold of players like Lavia, potentially Wood Prowse as well. Um, So, a deal for Lavia is very much on the table. It seems like, I know allegedly we were interested in him, but then that went quiet and then all the Kaisodo talks started happening. And allegedly, he's closer to Liverpool than anyone at the moment. So, it doesn't look like we're going to get him. So, I'm not sure about that. But in terms of an alternative DM, I'm not really sure who to get. Obviously, Declan Rice has gone to Arsenal. We'll talk about that uh, soon. Um, who, really I don't really know who else is out there. I like Fofana from uh, RC Lens in Ligue 1. Allegedly, he's going to Saudi Arabia. Um, also, I quite like, like Zakaria last year. I don't really think he'd done bad. He didn't really get a lot of chances, but I feel like the chances he did get, he played well. And allegedly, he's going to West Ham for about 15 million. So I don't see why we didn't jump on that bandwagon, if I'm being honest with you. But again... This team, I know it might sound a bit crazy putting us third, but we've got no European football. Teams like Liverpool, teams like Newcastle, they're going to be playing midweek, and Liverpool as well, and Brighton and Villa, they're going to be playing on Thursdays, Europa League, and again, no disrespect, they're going to be going to places like CSK in Moscow, play team, uh, countries like Moldova. You know, it's not that there's anything wrong with those countries, but it's harder to go and play In those countries on a Thursday when you've got a match on like Saturday, Sunday, sort of thing. When you play on Tuesdays and you're going somewhere, it's a lot easier. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a big thing for us having no European football, literally just having one game a week. Some might say that we might not get in a rhythm, but you know, these are professional footballers, I'm sure they'll be fine. Um, In terms of the squad, we have let a lot of players go, but you have to think these players like Kante. I, I love Kante. I, I don't think you'll find any Chelsea fan that doesn't love Kante, but it's not that he's getting old. It's just very injury prone. I remember last season, he got injured, I think it was in the opening month and they said, oh yeah, two to four weeks and he'll be back. We didn't see him until after the World Cup. So, yeah, you, you have to wonder, his can his body keep up anymore sort of thing. Um, Koulibaly, it, unfortunately it didn't work out. He was brilliant in Serie A, but again, the Premier League is just different. Um, Kovacic I'm a little bit confused at that one not confused that he's gone because he's never really been too consistent for us I like Kovacic as a player there's been a lot of times especially in matches where we haven't played well he's kind of pulled something out of the bag he's taken a few players on he's won a foul moved us up the pitch but unfortunately he just doesn't do it consistently enough but I was surprised that we sold him to City I mean I know City are not our rivals at all because at the moment City are head and shoulders above everyone especially Chelsea but surely, giving City, one of our players, just surely it just um, it increases that gap. But moving on, obviously, Mendy and Kai Havertz underperforming out the door. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, a brilliant player, come from the academy, love him to bits, especially coming from the academy, but he's not good enough anymore. As with Equator as well, um, could have left last season, wanted to stay another year to help the club out during difficult times, wish him all the best. Uh, Mason Mount, off. Oh, God. God. Again, I could probably talk about an hour just about Mason Mount. Um, But in all fairness, he's got his move. He thinks he should be on X amount a week at Chelsea. Let's see if he's worth it because I personally don't think he is. I think he's going to stink up the gaff at Old Trafford. But yeah, and then obviously players like Baba Rahman, he's never really got a look in other than a handful of matches back in 2015 and 16 or 17. I can't quite remember. Bamiyan brilliant to get off the uh, off the weekly wages. I, I I couldn't believe when we signed him. I, I I couldn't believe it. I thought it was 2013 again. Um, the only reason Chelsea signed him was because no one else wanted him from Barcelona and he didn't want to go in the first place. And now he's gone to Marseille. He might do all right in Marseille because I don't really think that the French league is very strong. But again, we'll have to see. And obviously Pulisic. Now, Pulisic is quite split. Some people like him, some people don't. I personally, I've never rated him personally. Um a good player on his day, but again, he's just not consistent enough. But yeah, I, I'm liking the squad that we've got. I have faith in the manager, and I'm sure in the future we'll do it, we'll do a Chelsea episode. I'm sure that'll be everyone's favourite, hence the sarcasm. <laughs> um, but yeah. So moving on to what a lot of people thought were gonna be the champions of last year is Arsenal. Now it's it's, it's very weird to say this. It's going to be for Arsenal and for Spurs. I've got a soft spot for both clubs. Um, A lot of my family supports Arsenal and all of my friends growing up up just outside North London, practically every single one of my friends was either Arsenal or Spurs. So I've gone to White Hart Lane a lot of times. I haven't been to their new stadium. Um, I went to Highbury a lot back in the day when I was young and I've been to the Emirates a few times. I remember actually one weekend... It was back when one of my uncles lived, um, I think it was a five or ten minute walk from the Emirates um, and went to our to an Arsenal game. Fantastic stadiums, great club, Arsenal. I do have a soft spot for Arsenal, which is going to sound crazy. But so there seems to be a lot of negativity around Arsenal. Um, I believe it's probably because the way they ended last season, where they started so strong, but ultimately fell off. You know, you couldn't, again, no disrespect to your teams, you can't give up a two-goal lead to West Ham, concede three goals to Southampton and expect a pipe city to lead. You, you just can't, you know. And a lot a lot of people say they threw it away at the Southampton game or the Liverpool game, blah, blah, blah. But I think if you offer anyone a point at Anfield, you take it. And again, Southampton, I, I don't look at those two games. I look at the West Ham game. I watched all of them, uh, the West Ham and the Southampton game live. I remember watching it. And I feel like they ended the West Ham game exactly. Sorry, they started the Southampton game exactly how they ended the West Ham game. They they're very nervous. Almost like they were playing hot potato with the ball. They just didn't want the ball. They started very nervous and whatnot. But that was last season. So this is this season. So I, I think they're looking incredibly strong. Um, they've strengthened bringing in players like Timber and Rice. I think they got Timber for something like was it, is it forty million? I, I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but it's a good price. I think it is a short centre back, but we've seen with Lissandro Martinez, um, you know, height doesn't really matter. Well, it does matter, but it's not the be all or end all. And when you've got players like Gabriel and Saliba who were brilliant last year, and I think you know, it's it's very good said. Should have, would have, coulda. I think if Saliba didn't get injured, and they didn't have that, you know, that defensive crisis, so to speak, with him being out. I'm not saying they would have won the league, but they would have had a hell of a better chance. Um, So I think adding Timber to that definitely makes that defence a lot stronger. It's massive. Um, Declan Rice, again, potentially, probably one of the biggest, so far, biggest signings of the summer. Um, Massive transfer fee for a massive player, to be honest with you. It's interesting to see how he plays at a club as big as Arsenal, because obviously a, a club like Arsenal, the standards are different, as opposed to West Ham. I think obviously West Ham have just won the European Cup. Very happy for them. Again, a historic club, a, a proper, a proper club, a club for the fans, so to speak now, in my opinion. Um But I think, obviously the standard to any Premier League club, really, well, not even that, even all the way down to grassroots is, you give 100%, you leave it all on the pitch. But when you play for a massive club like Arsenal, a historic club like Arsenal, when you've got players that have put on the shirt like Henry, you know, Burkham, Lehman, uh, even players like Petr who yes, wasn't great for Arsenal, but, legends of the Premier League, Ashley Cole, Patrick Vieira, Pires. i probably missed so many obvious names, but I, I could go on forever. When you put that shirt on, there's a, it's almost like an expectancy of winning. And I, I think Arsenal have really lost that in 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 the past, you know, sort of decade. Yes, they've won a few FA Cups and they came close to the league last year. But I think what we're seeing now, well, hopefully for Arsenal fans, is kind of that um What's the word I'm looking for here, guys? Sort of that return to glory, so to speak. Even though I've put them forth, I just think that... I think last season will affect some of the players. I think Saka is going to have a great season still. Martinelli, again, brilliant player. Um, They've lost Xhaka. Now, I think he's a real leader in that dressing room. Obviously, he had his issues a few seasons ago, but he seems to have been almost a model player. I think this season he's played really well, but obviously he's gone. They've lost a lot of leadership there. And Partey again, last when I was doing the notes for this uh for this episode, nothing was confirmed, but and I know Partey actually played, I think it was against United, uh, the other day in the in, in a friendly or was it the Premier League summer series that they've got going on in America. I'm not too sure. Um I know he played and he's linked with um a move out. I'm not sure what will happen. Maybe by the time this podcast is out. He might have already moved. I'm not sure, but I think losing those two players is big. But then they've got players like the Kongu that can you know get more minutes. Maybe there's more opportunity for him playing with Rice. Um, I think Kai Havertz now Kai Havertz is an interesting one for me. Obviously being a Chelsea fan, last season he was awful, and that's no understatement. He didn't have the finishing of a striker, nor did he have the passing or link up play of a midfielder. But I believe again a bit like Mason Mount really. There is a player in there. There really is. But it's just the question, can Arteta get the best out of him? That's my question. I think only time will tell with that one. Um, I think it... I'm not saying it will be better for him to go to Arsenal, but I think it's, as of now, it's an easier... I think it's an easier team to play in. It's a lot more stable. They're, I think, the fourth or fifth season or full full season of their project sort of thing. Um, Arteta has definitely found his feet. It was a rocky start, but I believe he's got most, if not all, the fans on side. The players have bought into his philosophy, um, and we're seeing them kind of not coming to the end of the project because they haven't actually done anything yet. But really hitting the peak of their project, um, so I feel like it would be it's a lot more stable than that Chelsea side, and that will definitely help Kai because it's been tough for him. Like it's, it's not all been his fault. He's been asked to play in positions that he he just doesn't play. But then I ask myself, I don't know his best position. I personally think that he played his best football when he played, just when he plays just behind the striker. When he had, if he's got someone like, oh, I'll use Lukaku just because Chelsea. Um, when you have Lukaku in front of him and he plays off the striker, I believe that's when he does his best work. That's me personally, uh, my personal opinion. But I'm not sure. Again, with that one, only time will tell. And it might sound crazy that I put Arsenal there but they went so close last year and it really it, you see it when when a team gets close to a trophy i'm not saying they kind of retreat but it does not steam out of you when they've been top for so long and they ended up i don't want to use the term bottle but you know they let it slip um obviously champions league as well it, in terms of fitness and schedule it will probably work out better for them being in the champions league as opposed to playing europa league but again, you saw some some of the lineups that Arteta put out last year. You can't really be putting those lineups um up against in the Champions League. Even in the group stage games, you can't really be doing that because everyone is well, not everyone, but most teams are strong. Um, and again, for Arsenal, I don't necessarily think they're going to win the Champions League at all. But they'll be expected to at least make the the last 16. So he wouldn't want I don't think he'd want to go out early on that. I think they'd like to Especially after not being in Champions League for so long. I think they really want to go far in that tournament. Um, But yeah, I don't think they'll be far away from clubs like Chelsea or Liverpool. But again, the only reason I've put Chelsea above them and Liverpool above them, I just think on paper, the squad has more potential. Like, I think if Poch can get the best out of Chelsea uh, and the players in there, and if Klopp can get the best out of that Liverpool squad, I just think it's got more class and talent than Arsenal. Um, but again, that's my personal opinion. I'm sure that will rustle a lot of feathers. Um, But, you know, de- definitely get in and we'll have some communication about that. And we can talk about that. I'd love to hear your guys' feedback on that. So that's the top four. So moving on to Man United. Um, now, I'll put them fifth, which might sound a bit negative considering they finished third last season. And they were probably, apart from City and Arsenal, obviously, they were... I think United won a title race for maybe two weeks um, at some point after the World Cup. I think it was in January or February. But aside from that, they've been the best of the rest sort of thing. Sort of when it's been City and Liverpool fighting it out at the top for a couple of seasons and then you had Chelsea and then there was that gap from fourth to you know, fifth and sixth. Whatever. I think that's kind of been United this season. Um, I think Eric Ten Hagel's done wonders. I think from where they were when he took over and where they need to be as Man United, as Manchester United Football Club, is a massive gap. And he has closed that gap. But I'm looking at this as... You, you look at Arsenal. Arsenal going into their fourth or fifth full season. Eric Ten Hag hasn't even had, you know, 24 months. And I, I think there is a lot of work to still be done. But they're definitely going in the right direction. Getting rid of players that aren't good enough. Like Twan um, I nearly said John Jones, wrong sport. Um, Phil Jones... Alex Tellez and Elanga, El and then bringing in players like Onana, for example, and getting rid of De Gea. That's the big one for me. I think De Gea is brilliant, great shot stopper, but the distribution is is a big thing. To to be at the the hot the elite level and the, and really be at the top now, you have to have a goalkeeper that can play with your feet. You look at City with Edison, even even Liverpool with Allison. You know Allison's known for for being a shot stopper for saving Liverpool many times this season. But he's also great with his feet. You know, Even um, goalkeepers like Neuer, who kind of revolutionised the modern-day sweeper-keeper, so to speak. You have to be good with your feet. You look at the amount of points that Mendy cost Chelsea the past couple of years purely because he's not good with his feet. Um, So you need someone that's good with their feet. I don't know how many more times I'm going to say feet when I talk about Man United, but there you go. Um, But yeah, I think it's... The problems with Man United... You don't know what Man United is going to turn up because last season they got battered by Brentford. I think it was 3-0 before half-time. They got beaten by Brighton, but then they slapped Chelsea 4-1. But then they lost against Liverpool 7-0 as well. So you don't really know what they're going to get. Sorry, what you're going to get. Um, Obviously, I think Champions League will obviously take a toll on them, um, as it would any club. I wouldn't say that squad's perfect. They definitely need a striker. But again we could release his podcast out. And by the time I've released it, they could have signed Harry Kane, who I think would be a perfect um, a perfect striker for them. But it depends how much leave wants Kane for. And I don't actually think Harry Kane is doing a lot to push his move. I know he said that he wants to leave, but he's not really pushing it. Now, I'm not a fan of players demanding XYZ from chairmen and clubs and owners or coaches or whatever, because I believe that, you know, at the end of the day, there's people at the top for a reason. But you see players refusing to come to training. I think, if I'm not mistaken, was it last season or the season before he just didn't show up to training because he wanted to push. That was last season because he wanted to push for Man City. And then obviously they've got Haaland. Um, but you're lucky. I, I think he slots into that United team very well. And I think, let's be honest, if, if Harry Kane's getting... Around roughly what 20 30 goal contributions. Well, he's getting 20 goals a season, I think, isn't he? Give or take, he's probably getting, he's probably getting north of 30 goal contributions. And if he's getting that again, no disrespect at a club like Spurs, he can definitely replicate that at Man United. And I think that's what they're missing because they've got good players in Anthony. Um, I know Ericsson's uh left, but again, Mason Mount is a good player, Bruno Fernandez, Rashford, these are good players, and I think. If you put a deadly striker, a fox in the box, so to speak, like Harry Kane, he will definitely, um, he will definitely level up that team, so to speak. And unlike at Spurs, he doesn't have to drop deep or go out wide because either side of him he will have players like Rashford or Anthony, and then behind him he's got players like Bruno Fernandes and Mount, so he can push higher and he can be more of a constant threat. Um, so yeah, look, if United, I know they're linked with Ossimen as well from Napoli. And they're also linked oh, I can't pronounce his name It's Highland, I believe his name is. Um they're also linked with him. But if they were to sign a big striker, I definitely think they definitely finish Heightland fifth. I'm trying to think where they would finish. I think I think that they, they could they could really push up past the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool, I really do think so. But we're doing this as of now. Um so as of now, I do think they'll finish fifth. Um but I I, I think they'll I think they'll continue to get better. I think they'll grow under Eric Ten Hag. Do I think he's the one to get them back to the glory days of Sir Alex Ferguson? I don't really think United will ever get to the glory days of Sir Alex Ferguson again because he was just such a great manager. Um, but I think definitely where United need to be and where they should be, and you know Man United are a massive club, they're massive. I th- I think they're on the right um, the right path and definitely the right trajectory, um, but yeah. So, moving on to another team that I've got a soft spot for is Spurs. Um, I think Spurs will finish sixth. They finished eighth last year, uh, which I don't really think anyone was surprised. As a Chelsea fan that I've mentioned before, I definitely know the negative effects of Antonio Conte and other positives of him as well. But last year, it, was, it wasn't all doom and gloom. That was what I was surprised about, actually. Spurs were top four. I think going into December, uh, the break for the World Cup, and then Conte just basically started running his mouth. Now, we all know how Levy runs the club. And he kind of runs it like a business. I've got a lot of Spurs fans. Um, sorry, a lot of my friends are Spurs fans. And they tell me all the time about, oh, Levy's this, he's that. If you look at what he's actually done like with the stadium, it is brilliant. If you look at them in terms of, on paper, money, it's brilliant. You know, they're not really in debt other than the stadium. They only really buy once they sell a player. I can't really remember Spurs really forking out on players since Gareth Bale left, and they spent the Bale money. Um, but that could happen with Kane if he does go for a hundred million. I'd expect them to spend that hundred million almost immediately because I think that squad does need a lot of investment. Players like Long, uh, Lengley, Longley. Sorry, it's Longley. Uh, players like Longley have left. I didn't, didn't really play great. Players like Lucas Mora who he had some good times there, but he wasn't consistent enough. Players like Dan Juma are also leaving. Now, um, I was actually quite excited for them when Dan Juma was signed because I thought he'd be brilliant. But he again, he didn't really, he just didn't really perform well. But again, I, I think it's hard for Spurs. It's hard for for the players, and I think it's hard for the manager because they don't necessarily get what they need. Um, their new manager, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Is it Ange, Angé, Ange? I don't know. Maybe someone can tell me. Um, I'm not going to sit here and. And say how much I know about him and his patterns of play because I don't. I know he had done well in the Scottish League with Celtic, but the Premier League is a different kettle of fish. I'm excited to see what will happen. I think I think ultimately they Spurs will be better this season than they were last season. But then again, that all depend. this is this is as I'm saying it now, that all depends on Harry Kane. So I think as Harry Kane leaves, they could really be in trouble. Yes, they've still got good players, that's some. They've got players like Madison come in, and Kurisevsky and Pedro Poro have made their transfers permanent um, as well. And again, good players. I think Kulisevsky is very good for them. He, he had a good season. And obviously, Son is brilliant. Probably one of the best underrated wingers in the past few years in the league. But I just I, I worry for Spurs where that, that goal threat kind of comes from. I think a perfect player actually for them, if Kane was to go, would be someone like Ivan Tony. But obviously, uh, we all know he's suspended until, is it January or February? I think it's January. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough for Spurs, I think, if, if they lose Kane. And you have to sit there and think, the teams that we've mentioned um, previously, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, etc., etc., they're all going to strengthen. And I, I just don't know if Spurs are going to strengthen enough. But then they've got no Europe as well. You have got to think, so that could be a saving grace for them. It could make them fresher, especially if Harry Kane goes. I mean, whatever way you put it, if Harry, if they don't have Harry Kane, then you know they don't play Europe. It's, it's less game for them to manage without Harry Kane. Um, but again, I think losing Harry Kane is such a big loss for them. Um, but I, I think he will go, but I don't know where. There's been links of him going to Bayern. I can't really see that. I think he, want, he wants that goal record. I think... Um, I, I, me, really, I, I could really see him at United. I think if he wasn't going to go to City last season, he's obviously not going to go to City now because they've got Haaland. You think Chelsea have signed Jackson. Um, you think... is oh, obviously not going to go to Arsenal. Liverpool have just spent money on Darwin Nunes. He's not going to go to Liverpool. So really, other than United, there's no one else in the top six that really he would go to. So I think he is a perfect fit for them. Fit for them, as I mentioned previously. But Spurs is I don't know, it's Spursy, isn't it? I don't like to say it, but it's it's tough for them. It re- it really is. But a lot of their season basically depends on how Kane, what he does, really. Um. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. So moving on to Newcastle, who finished third last season. Um, again, I've put them to really underperform this season. Not necessarily because they'll get worse or they've got a bad squad or a bad manager. I think they've got a fantastic manager um, in Eddie Howe. I'm excited to see his ceiling because he did do good things at Bournemouth. And he's done great things at Newcastle. But is he an elite manager? You think back to when Everton were doing really well with David Moyes. And then he took over Fergie and you know things didn't go his way. What Newcastle are doing now, they're transitioning into a bigger club. Newcastle are a very historic club, passionate fans. It's a a brilliant club. But I'm not sure if Eddie Howe is the one to take them to that next level. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm not sure if he is. I don't think any of us are because we haven't really seen him at a big club with a lot of money. And obviously that's what Newcastle have now. They've got a very good squad. Players like Trippier, Bruno Gomares, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Isaac uh, Gordon as well. And they brought in players like Tonali and Harvey Barnes. But I, I, I'm not sure if that squad is good enough to keep... Obviously, there's more names as well. They've got a, Their whole squad is very good. They played very well last season. Uh, well, they, they work hard for each other as well. You can really tell that when they play, they buy into the manager's philosophy, um, good patterns of play. And they work hard for one another. But I, I'm not sure if they've got the, the strength and depth to play in Europe and putting good performances week in, week out in the league. Because yesterday, last season, they kept up with Arsenal and United and City in terms of uh, position in the league. Not by points, obviously, with, uh, with City and Arsenal uh, running away. Not running away with it, but having that gap. And obviously, Newcastle, they finished above the likes of Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea. Well, half the league finished above Chelsea. But the less said about that, the better. Um, but yeah, they didn't have Europe. And I think that's going to be a real a real tough test for them. I think Harvey Barnes is a very good player they've brought in. Is he Champions League level? I don't think so. I think Tanali's a good sign-in. Um, he's been very good for a number of years. And he's still quite young, I think. He's 23, 24 maybe. I might be wrong on that. So uh, do correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah... I think they've got a good squad, but I don't think it's Champions League level. I really don't. I, I I could see them, if they were to play in the Europa League or the Conference League, I could see them go very, very far. But I just think the Champions League, I think it might be a step too far for them. Maybe, but again, with the money they've got, they can invest in players and I'm sure they will strengthen. And I think maybe next season or the season after, they could definitely pose that question of being good enough to finish in the top four again while maintaining a good Champions League run. But I think as of now, and that's, a, that's another theme of this, that I'm doing this as of now, as of now, I don't think they're good enough to finish top four and still go far in Europe. But you never know, they might just completely sack Europe off on the back burner and build more for the league. I'm I'm not sure. But again, it's going to be interesting to see. I like anyhow. how I like the direction that Newcastle are going in. Um, and as well it's for the fans because let's be honest football, we, we can talk about technicalities and money and trophies blah 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 but football's football's for the fans it's for us it's the people that whether you can go to matches every weekend or if you're stuck at work and you've got to get, um, get the Sky Sports updates so on. it's it's all about the fans you know we we live for this game and it is they've, they've been really had some really dark times in recent years Newcastle and it's nice to see it's nice to see them progressing it really is and I, I I do I do wish them well in terms of how they get on, and I think it's going to be a very interesting project to, uh, to keep an eye on. But yeah, now moving on to eighth place, I have put Aston Villa. Um, they finished seventh last season, and obviously we're noticing a the theme here. Villa, I've put one worse place off last season, uh, as opposed to last season, Newcastle falling down, and also Arsenal and United. And the main reason of that is obviously because I put Chelsea in third. Now that like, could be biased. Uh, I've tried to be as unbiased as possible. Um but maybe because I have obviously because I pay a little bit more attention to the goings on of Chelsea more than other clubs. Maybe that's why. Um again I think Villa are in for a really good season. I think Unai Emery is a fantastic manager. He won the Europa League was it three times in a row with Sevilla or it might have been twice in a row and obviously winning it with uh, Villarreal a few years ago. And the players they brought in they haven't brought a lot of players in so far, but the players they have brought in, I think, are very good. They brought in Diaby from uh, Bayern Leverkusen. They brought in Paul Torres from Villarreal and Telemons from Leicester. Um, again, Telemons, a Premier League proven player. I know he's linked with Arsenal uh, a few seasons ago. Um, and again, Paul Torres and Diaby, very, very good players. I think they'll do well. I think Europe, again, a lot of the reason why I've put like Spurs, uh, sorry, not Spurs, Uh, Newcastle and Villa kind of down a little bit, as opposed to, say, Chelsea and Spurs, for example. I think, Europe, again, I think Europe is going to affect Aston Villa. Um, I think having that extra competition, having that extra sort of headache, I think is going to be tough for them. Um, and again, they've got a good squad on paper. They really do. But I just don't think it's stronger than the likes of, obviously, Chelsea's, Arsenal's, United's. And I think Newcastle have. I think um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Newcastle have a bigger squad as well. And obviously, um, Newcastle have that financial backing sort of thing. Say if someone like, oh, I don't know, Isaac gets injured, or um, who else really? Um, someone like Trippier, for example. Say if they say if they're out for a season, like Fofana, uh at Chelsea, if they uh, you know in December or whatever. January they can dip into the market, they can probably spend forty, fifty million to replace him. I don't know if Aston Villa can do that. Um but yeah, I get I think Emmy's a great manager. I think what he's gonna do there is not gonna be a flash in the pan. I think if Villa do play their cards right and back him enough and give him not free reign but give him the the freedom to put up across his philosophy ugh, philosophy in terms of transfers and whatnot. I think he could be a great manager there for a few years, and I think Villa can really start to look at Europe at more European places, going further in the cups, going further in in the European cups as well. You look at West Ham as well. You know, West Ham by their standards recently, they haven't had a great season, but winning that European Cup has really boosted their morale, and I, and I think Villa could do like do that. But at this current moment, I don't think their squad is good enough to, again, go far in these... Much like Newcastle, I don't think they're good enough to go far in these competitions and maintain a league position. And obviously, I don't like to keep going back to it, but last year, you know, Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea, they 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 were really, really poor last year, like really underperformed. I'm not saying that the only reason that clubs like Brighton and Villa and Brentford and even Fulham finished so high was because of other um, other teams... Lack of performance, but I think it definitely helped. Um, you know, you look at Brighton and Villa; they finished above Spurs and Chelsea. Um, and Brighton for a, for a while were kind of fighting that that top four place. Obviously, missing out, but but yeah, I I think they'll have a good season. It's a it's a very positive time to be a Villa fan and a Newcastle fan. But I just don't think they're they're up there just yet. They're far too good at the moment. I think for that middle of the pack like mid-table but I just don't think they're quite good enough yet to fight out with these other clubs over European places consistently if that makes sense but again I could be proved wrong Um, but yeah that's what I think about Aston Villa Uh, now moving on to ninth which is Brighton now I think Brighton had a brilliant season last year do I think they would have finished sixth if Spurs and Chelsea were on it I'm not so sure I think the thing about Brighton I think with Again, um, Europe is going to be tough for them, I think. They've got in players like James Milner now, although they're not necessarily the best in peak physical condition. That's someone there that's really got a lot of experience. Um, in big games, he's a big game player. You know, he's, he's played in massive games before. Massive, massive experience. I think that'll do good for the dressing room. Um, losing McAllister is big for them. I know they've still got players like Inciso, I think that's how you pronounce it, and uh, Matoma, for example, as well. But McAllister was really good for them, and I think that's a big loss. And again, I'm kind of going off this basis is that they're going to lose Kaiseido. And again, that's a massive hole to fill. Um, and But I don't know. It, Brighton's a tough one because I think as well, they, they could get found out. They play brilliant football but a lot of time you see these teams play brilliant football and after a season or so they get found out. Um, but yeah, I think they—they they, for me they've lost some important players, potentially could lose more and they could get found out. But again, I don't really think ninth would be a bad season for Brighton. Yes, it's three places lower than they finished last year but I still think they're on the right course if that makes sense, and I think they ha- they do have a good manager um but yeah not really much else to say about Brighton to be honest uh I, but I think the main thing for them like I said, losing players and europe is europe is just tough it's it's going to be tough for them I think right, so we get into that kind of middle of the pack sort of part of the of the predictions. I always struggle with this more more so than anything else I've put Fulham in tenth now they finished tenth last season, I think. Mitrovic will continue to score goals. I think they brought in Jimenez um, as well, which is decent. I think we could see him return to form. I remember a few years ago when he he had that awful head injury. I think it was at Chelsea, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it at Spurs? Um, and he hasn't really been the same since, I don't think. Um, but it'd be nice to see him scoring the goals again. Um, on the flip side, they could get that second season syndrome. We could really see a drop-off. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see that one. Palace. I feel like it's almost just a popular opinion to say that they always finish around that, around those places because they do. They finished eleventh last season. I think Palace. I have no no issue with Palace. Big a good London club, but they just they never really do anything. They always finish. They, they never get relegated, but they never really flirt even flirt with, with Europe. I think Zaha leaving is big for them, but I don't actually think it would affect them as bad as people think because I think players like Eze could step up. Maybe Ollis as well, if he doesn't leave. I know he's been linked with United and Chelsea as well. But yeah, players like that could step up um, and they could be all right. Uh, now West Ham, I put West Ham for 12th. Now West Ham finished 14th last year. And they, were, Despite finishing 14th, for a long while they were kind of flirting with relegation, but they got their act together, winning the European Cup as well. That was massive for them. Obviously, the big obvious thing is Declan Rice leaving to Arsenal. Now, although they, they will struggle without Rice, they've still got players like Suchek, or Suchek, however I pronounce it, Gerard uh, Bowen, and Ben Rama, uh, Ariola and Fabianski. Two very good keepers. Obviously, Mikel Antonio as well. Um, his shoulders will be heavier than, than there have been in recent times with Rice leaving. But again, I think West Ham, they, they still have a good squad. They're linked with players like Zachariah. Um, I don't know how far along they are with those negotiations, if it's even going to happen, but that would be a great signing for them. Um, And again, you've got to remember, you know, New, uh, Newcastle, sorry, uh, West Ham, they're going to have a hundred plus million to spend potentially on replacing Declan Rice. Now they might not buy a player this summer that replaces him and is as good as him straight away, but they're definitely going to, somewhere down the line, they're, they're going to invest that back into the team. And I do think they'll be okay. I don't think they're going to get relegated or anything like that. I think Fulham, Palace and West Ham, for me, it just screams mid-table because they're not quite at the level of Villa, Brighton and Newcastle. In my opinion, I think Newcastle, Villa and Brighton would be the three teams that if anyone was going to break into that top six this year, it would be one of those three. I think Fulham, Palace and West Ham still have a long way to go. Uh, but it's definitely looking promising for, for West Ham it really is moving on to the lower half of the table I've got Brentford at 13th I think they're going to struggle without Ivan Tony until January I think it's crazy to think that I'm talking about them potentially getting relegated even though I've got them finishing 13th I think we could see them do kind of what West Ham done last season kind of flirt with relegation but also pull it out of the bags in the, the later months I think it all depends on what situation they're in. Come the end of December, come January when Tony does come back. But even then, you know it's all well and good. I'm sure he's going to do his fitness at home, and I'm sure he's going to keep himself sharp. But being match sharp, it's it's going to be tough, especially when you know if, if the season ends in May, and then you don't play until January. That's that's going to be tough. But I'm not sure about that. I think a, a lot of what a lot of Brentford's season rests on Ivan Tony. And he's only there for half of it, which is going to be very tough for them. They've still got good players like Mbemu Bemu, sorry. Um, who will pick up the slack. But I think it's gonna be very tough for them unless they get unless they get maybe a few results that are lucky, they're running as well. Um then going down to Everton. Now Everton have survived by the skin of their teeth last year, and they also were very close to getting relegated last season. We've seen a massive drop off from Everton. Um I think very blunt with this a, a, a key for them is if, is if Dominic Calvert lewin if he's fit he will score goals but obviously if he's not fit he's not going to be playing therefore he's not going to be scoring the goals and that's a problem with him he's a great striker very good striker but his injuries he's been some would say unlucky maybe some would say he's injury prone I don't know but they say the best ability is availability if he's available I think they might be okay obviously bringing in Dan Juma as well I think that's a good signing for them personally um, Ashley Young coming in again he's He's won the Premier League. He's won trophies with United. Much like James Miller or Bryan, he's not a he's not a player that is at the peak of his powers in terms of his physical condition. But you know he's been around the block. He knows he's got that experience, and I think he can bring that leadership to the dressing room as well. Um, just a quick one on Deli Ali as well. I'd um, love to see Deli Ali back at Everton and showing the world that he's still got it. Um, for obvious reasons, for those of you that watched his interview. Uh, recently, with Gary Neville, uh, if you haven't, give it a watch. Big eye opener. Um but yeah, and again, Everton, Everton shouldn't really be getting relegated. Everton are a, are a big club; they really are. and They still got good players like Pickford, Decore like I said, Dominic Cabot Lewin. Um, I, I think they'll have enough to stay up. I think the the past two seasons have been a real eye opener. And yeah, I think I th- and as well, Sean Dyche, he's he's the guy. I I think he can bring real good stability to them, and I think he'll he'll play it simple, and I think that's that's what's gonna keep Everton up. I think if they do the simple things right, they'll be okay, and then they'll build on from there. And then moving on to uh, speaking of Sean Dykes, actually moving on to Burnley. Um, so I think Burnley are gonna stay up. I think they're gonna finish fifteenth. Gonna be completely honest, I'm basing this off of. I feel like when teams come up. I feel like, not all the time, but more often than not, there's kind of... Not an, over, not an overachiever, but out of the three clubs that come up, one of them typically tends to struggle a lot. One of them gets relegated, but they could stay up, and, or they stay up and they could have got relegated, if that makes sense. They kind of flirt between that 17th and 18th place. And I feel like there's always one that surprises. And I think Burnley will surprise us. Um, I know Weghorst will be back from his loan, I believe. I think company's a good manager as well. I think I I think they'll have enough to to stay up. I'm going to be honest. I'm not really basing that off much more. I just think that there'll be the surprise package in terms of the promoted clubs. And then Bournemouth, I've got this in 16th. Everyone laughed at them last season, saying they were going to go down, and then they trolled all of us uh, towards the end of the season. I'm not really sure about their signings. I know that Lerma has gone. They could potentially struggle, but I think they could surprise us. And they did play some good football, at times last season, especially against Liverpool in the final game of the season. But again, they could bring some players and I think they could surprise us and survive for potentially um, another year. Moving on to Nottingham Forest, they've actually brought quite a few players in. They've got Chris Wood in, they've got El Langer, uh, sorry, El Anger, and ana in as well. Uh, losing Renan Loddy, Lingard and Caelan Navas. I think they'll struggle without Navas because I think he was really good for them last season. Also, Renan Loddy was very good. Um, but I think Chris Wood I think It might be an unpopular opinion I'm not really sure What people feel about Chris Wood But I I think he'll get goals He was decent for Burnley And I think he'll be good for Forrest um, Also they've got a young Nigerian striker I can't pronounce his name properly I believe it's Anwani I think he scored something like It was five or six In his last three games Um, And if I'm not mistaken He scored um For Nigeria against Sierra Leone uh, Back in June as well Um. I think goal from him and Wood potentially could be enough to see Forest survive another year. But I think losing players like Navas and Lodi will definitely make them weaker in terms of their defence. Um, but again, they could strengthen before the window shots. But again, only time will tell. Now, uh, moving on to who I've got in 18th place. I've got Wolves in 18th place. Um and I think the the thing for wolves, I I just think they've lost too many players for me. They've lost, I mean, players like Martinio and um, Diego Costa. I think you could argue they're past it, but they've lost players like, you know, Ruin Neves, for example. Players like Jimenez, players like um, Adama Traoré, and I think recently they've they've lost. They've, they've even in past seasons players like Doherty as well. And I think we could potentially see what happened with Southampton. Southampton, for a few seasons, they lost a lot of their good players, their big players, their main players. And then eventually it caught up with them and now they're relegated. I think we could really see that with Wolves. Uh, We saw a drop-off last season. Um, They finished, I think, 13th or 14th last season. And I think they're in real danger of going down this season, if I'm being honest. And then in 19th, I've got Luton. Now, I would love to see Luton stay up. You know, the underdog story, we all, story, we all love it. But I, I just don't think that they're good enough to stay in the league, if I'm being honest. I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched a lot of Luton. I, I've watched bits of them last season in the playoffs as well. Um, but looking at their squad, looking at what they're up against in terms of, you know, around that relegation area, like Everton, like Burnley and Bournemouth, I just don't. I don't think they've got it in them to stay up Um, again I think they'll be flirting with that 19th to kind of 17th position but I think ultimately they're not going to have enough to stay up Um, and then Sheffield Wednesday have gone rock bottom Uh, last time they were in the Premier League it wasn't great for them and I think uh, Sheffield Wednesday again are going to be that team that comes up that that just struggles I just think it's going to be a real tough season for them and and I think they'll go down so that concludes the first episode of the Do Follow Football podcast. Uh, this week's fun fact or quirky fact, so to speak, is uh, Juan Mata was the first ever player to join Man United from Chelsea. Now, I didn't know that. Um, none of these facts are my own. I'm not a football encyclopedia, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I found that quite interesting. Um, maybe you, could, you guys can tweet me your um, your fun football facts at D-Y-F-F-pod. Um, Don't be scared to share your own thoughts and opinions as well. That's on Twitter, by the way, sorry, at Pod. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Congratulations if you did get this far. Um, in the future, the episodes will probably be shorter and hopefully they flow a bit better um, and they have a bit more structure. Once again, please do continue the conversation on Twitter with me at Pod. Once again, guys, thank you very much for listening and that's me done.